Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. My name is Tom Hemmer, and after 25 years, I believe in Jesus Christ once and for all. I decided to do it the minute I was in that tub with the two pastors. It was just instantly right and comfortable. That was definitely one of the best days of my life. The job situation I'm in now is so much better. Uh, It's so much better for my family, for me personally, and I now know that God rescued me out of a bad situation to get to a better one. So in the end, I've learned that God is with us through everything. I never felt the power of the Holy Spirit so much in my entire life as I rededicated my life to God, and God began changing both of us. And Charles would tell anyone who would listen to him that the only thing that mattered in life was your relationship with Christ. When it came to Surge, everyone was like clapping, and they were like, yeah, Kaylee, and they're all like cheering and clapping, and I didn't really know what was going on, and it was really fun. We literally are trying to say, whether you drive a beat-up Honda or a showroom Hummer, God loves you. And it's not just cheap gas they're offering up here. You also get some other goodies, like a free car wash. We were praying about how we wanted Liquid to come to Montclair, so it was definitely an answer to our prayers. Um, We're just excited not only because it's closer and we can definitely attend every Sunday, but we're excited to see what it does in our community. Why I want to get baptized in Liquid today is because I want to give Jesus the whole totality of me as opposed to having a fraction of my life. Once we realized that we were making the other decision, um, I don't know, we, we, between laughter and tears, we, we just felt like there was a huge weight being lifted. We saved many lives in that region with the name of Christ. So when people come and, and question and say what Jesus is doing, Jesus is doing a lot. And now it'll be protected for hopefully 20 or 30 years before we have to revisit the project. But this is literally bringing living water to a thirsty generation on the other side of the world. I really want my life to be about sharing my story and sharing my love of the Lord with others. I was just like kind of pouring my heart out to him and it was the first time that I really felt like he heard me and and he was there. Well, it's awesome to see so many faces, so many Stories of change, life's change, incredible changes, epic changes. And today, particularly, uh, you joining us live, we're so glad. Those of you who are in the overflow room, thank you. Cheap seats in the balcony, you won't be forgotten. We got a moment for you today. That's all right. But um, we're excited because uh, I want to talk to you about something pretty big today. Something very big, huge, in fact. Can you guess what it is? I want to talk to you about hitting the wall. Have you ever hit the wall? This is a pretty giant wall we built specially for this service. It's a big stinking wall. And you guys know what a wall is for. A wall is meant simply to just kind of separate or divide. It's a barrier between people. In fact, does anybody know? Let's see who the smart kids are. What's the most famous wall that was ever built in human history? Does anybody know? The Great Wall of China. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Great Wall of China. Incredible thing. Who knows what country the Great Wall of China is located in? Let's just... Okay, we got the advanced placement kids. It's 4,000 miles long. 
It took a thousand years to build, and here's the deal. The wall actually didn't even work that well. When the centuries would actually, it was very, it, they thought it would defend China, but when the centuries, they'd walk one to two or three miles, the enemies would just wait, put up ladders, and go right over. It wasn't that effective. But there are new plans for the Great Wall. I don't know if you heard this. In 2012, the Walt Disney Company is actually coming to China. This was in the New York Times last week, if you saw that. Um, Disney is breaking ground, apparently, on a brand new uh, theme park and resort. And resort. And they have plans to give the Great Wall a pretty sweet upgrade. Um, it's very exciting. <laughs> that's American innovation right there, baby. Come on. That's like, woo. Second famous wall is probably the Berlin Wall. You've heard of that one? I had a chance to visit that after college. That's my roommate Tucker and I. We backpacked around Europe. actually went to a U2 concert in Berlin. I had long hair then, spiky hair, long hair, big hair. I'd done it all, man. And while there, we went to Checkpoint Charlie. That was kind of the infamous crossing point between East and West Berlin, where dozens of people were shot dead trying to get over that wall to freedom. It was the central symbol of the Cold War, that separation between East and West. And when that Berlin Wall came down in 1989, freedom came to thousands of people across Europe. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Now, the last wall I want to show you is actually being built right now in the Middle East, in fact. That's the West Bank in Israel. That's a very unpopular, controversial wall that the Israelis have put up to separate themselves from the Palestinian people. It's about 400 miles long, goes along the West Bank, and it's a flashpoint for the ongoing conflict and tension in the Middle East that we see every night on the nightly news. Walls are meant to divide. You get it? They're meant to keep people apart. They're meant to create a barrier between you and whatever is on the other side of the wall. And those are three pretty famous walls. But the wall I want to talk to you about today is probably a little bit more personal to you. In fact, I'm guessing, I was talking to a buddy recently who's uh, he's kind of at the end of the rope with his job. And he said, Tim, I feel like I've hit the wall at work. Ever use that expression? Man, she has hit the wall with those kids. She is done with them. She's hit the wall. It's like we're going through life. They've hit the wall in their marriage. You're going through life. Something unexpected comes up, pops up, and you hit that wall, a barrier, an obstacle. And sometimes you hit it pretty hard. These days, I'm hearing a lot about pe from people who are uh, about the fact they're running into a wall with their job or their finances. And this was even before the downturn a couple years ago. These are people who say, I'm in a dead-end job, and I can't get out of it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like my job. I've hit a wall there. I don't want to go any further. But you know what? I've got to stick with it because I need the pay. I'm, I'm getting paid. It's a dead-end job. It is not fulfilling. I'd love to do something more meaningful, but I've hit the wall. I got to pay my bills. I got a mortgage, man. Maybe you earn a paycheck, but you don't like what you're doing. Some of you are like, well, dude, at least you have a job, okay? At Liquid, we have dozens, if not hundreds of people who have lost their job over the last couple of years, candidly, and they can't find a new one. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've hit a vocational wall and you're kind of running out of money and you don't know what to do next. Um, I actually have a friend named Todd who hit this wall this past fall, and he was humble enough to share his story with you here at this service. I had seen the news that the economy was bad. People were losing their jobs. But it was all just news to me until two days before Thanksgiving. As I was leaving the architecture firm that I was working at, I found out that effective immediately everyone was being laid off. My first thoughts were, how do I tell my wife? How do I tell my kids? What will they think of me? 
How do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Never did I think that my years of education and training would lead me to this point. That's a tough wall to get over, man. Thousands of people across this state, they are at this wall right now. They're having a hard time making ends meet. They have a hard time at their job just putting it together. And they have hit that vocational wall. Now, the truth is some of you are like, well, that's, that's tough for them. I, I don't have that issue because you've made it past the job wall. You like what you do or you don't have an issue with finances. That's fine. And you're cruising through life and you kind of assume, well, I think I'm going to get off scot-free. I haven't had any issues. And then you hit what I would like to call, this is one of the most painful walls of all. I'm going to call this the, the relationship wall. Anybody hit the relationship wall here today? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This one is the one that hurts the most, man. When you hit a wall with somebody you love, man, it is, it is just painful. Um, this, honestly, this is the deepest parts of your soul. Colleen and I have friends right now who have hit the wall. Um, the wheels have kind of come off their marriage, uh, and the husband has actually left the family. Um, the wife's holding on. The kids are kind of devastated, and, and it's painful. It's painful to watch. We're like, we would do anything to help them break through that wall because the hurt's real. The pain is actually deep. Families hit walls all the time. Maybe, maybe you're single and you're like, man, I wish I could just be married and have a family. A single friend of mine, uh, she's been looking for the right guy for actually about 10 years. And she came up to me and she said, Tim, 10 years, I don't think he's out there. She is frustrated. She, feels, she says, I feel like I'm spending a third of my income on eHarmony expenses. You know what I'm talking about? She's doing the internet thing. And, she, and I said, how's that going? She goes, it's actually very depressing. She goes, it's like a third of the guys on eHarmony are married. They're like, I guess, cruising or trying to get an upgrade. I don't, I don't even know what they're doing there. And she said half of those guys lie about their age and the other half lie about their income. So she's very disillusioned about the relationship thing. So I said, listen, I could introduce you to a lot of couples in our church who thought getting married was going to solve their problems. They are done with the eHarmony thing. They're ready to put their spouse on eBay. They're ready to auction him off, man. We're done with that. We laugh about that. But some of the, the walls that you hit that the hardest, the deepest pain you will ever know is in a relationship. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because right now, today, you're there. You're, you're, your heart is breaking. You, you, you know what that issue is. I don't know what that is. But there, there's pain between you and a family member. Fathers hit the wall with their sons. Moms with their daughters. Pain between parents and kids goes very, very deep. There's resentment between siblings. There's, there's a wall. There's a distance between you. And then there are families, candidly, who, 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 couples who dream of starting a family. And that dream doesn't come true. That's what happened to Jeff and Judy. Listen to Judy describe how her family hit the relational wall. Jeff and I actually met at Easter dinner. His aunt was a friend of mine, and of course his aunt, and neither of us had a place to go that Easter. So we wound up around the same table. She claims it wasn't a setup, but I still don't truly believe her. It took us quite a while to get married. Three years, three and a half years we dated. Life was a little complicated. We were both busy and doing stuff, and... We also just wanted to be confident that this was the person forever. Just kind of settled into married life and things were comfortable and good. And so naturally you think about having a family and you think like, well, everybody else is doing it and we wanted to do it too. And, and it was great. We got pregnant easy and uh, went for all the appointments and heard the heartbeat and started dreaming, decorating the, nurs the nursery and just everything was great. We went in on the 21 week appointment and I crawled up on the table and they searched for a heartbeat and didn't find one. I couldn't believe it, really. I prayed for a miracle, that God would do a miracle, but 
it was confirmed with the ultrasound that the baby had died, and um, so then they brought us to labor and delivery and induced. And it's crazy to be at, on the labor and delivery floor when everybody else is going to get children, and we're not going to. We delivered a little girl. We named her Lucy. I remember Jeff said when she was born, she's a miracle, and indeed it's a miracle, even if they don't live, that something that intricate is created without anybody ever touching it. Our nurse sat by the bed. Before she left, she said one more thing. She said, but what I would want you to know is you should look for something perfect and beautiful on your child. There's something perfect and beautiful on every child. She was right. Lucy was perfect and beautiful. We delivered Lucy in 2004. That's a long time ago. We've had eight more miscarriages. Eight. A total of nine. It seems unbelievable that you can have that much loss in your life and that God just doesn't come through. It's hard to think about what's perfect and beautiful when all around everybody's getting pregnant and everybody's having kids and now their second child, some of them, since we started trying. Some people don't even want to be pregnant. Some people are mad about their, their life with kids and all the while we just want what they have. It's been hard to see what's perfect and beautiful in our circumstance. That's a heart-wrenching wall, yeah? The, the wall of infertility. Eight miscarriages. I mean, talk about questioning faith in God. You say, why, why would a loving God allow that much heartache? And so, some of you are asking, you know this firsthand. Or you have friends who do. And you're asking, what's up with that? Folks, before this, this service is over, I believe God is going to speak a word of hope to you today that is going to help you take a step past your heartache because the God of the Bible, our Father in heaven, he knows what it's like to lose a son. He's lost a child, and he can be there for you today. Believe it or not, some people, they make it through life through all of these. They don't have job issues. They, they don't have vocational issues. They don't have marriage issues. They don't have family issues. Everything is, is going along fine for them. They think, I am definitely making it. And then, and then they get the call from the doctor, and that little something that you thought was nothing, it's something. I'm going to draw an H here. We're going to let the H stand for for hospital. We'll make it stand for, I don't know, health or, or HMO. How many of you have hit a wall with your HMO? Let's just start there. I think the people who run an HMO, I think they actually are going to heaven. I think there's a special place in heaven for them. I think when they get to heaven, St. Peter will say, you can come on in, but you can only stay three days. <laughs> yeah. Damn, man. Thanks. Hey, you know what this is like? You know what this is like, man? Anyone here facing health issues? Someone in your family? Maybe you have a sick child. Maybe, maybe it typically hits you out of nowhere. That test comes back positive or that chronic condition just flares up. Our family hit this wall 12 years ago when my father was diagnosed with lymphoma. And it was like, bam! We were just numb. We were shocked. It hit us out of nowhere for months. When someone you know or love, their health deteriorates or, or they, they, they die unexpectedly, you hit a wall of grief, man. You can't get past that loss. And today, honestly, I believe God's going to speak a word of hope and healing to some of you who are facing this wall as we turn to his word for insight. All three of these issues, everything we're, I just highlighted here, each of them, in some respects, they're temporary walls. Because the greatest wall we're going to face is bigger than all three of them put together. In fact, I'm going to, let me get my black spray paint. I'm going to need a ladder for this one. This is the wall that's bigger than any of them. That's, let, me, let me get up here and get this for you. I call this the, this is the mortality wall. 
I'm going to draw a nice, cheery gravestone. Yeah. Happy Easter, everybody. That, the mortality wall. Did you hear this? This is shocking. I don't know if you saw this on the news. They say the mortality rate in New Jersey is now, it's still hovering around 100%. None of us make it out alive. That is an axiom. It's like happy Easter. We all have the same ending. And the, and the truth is, I'm like, I'm facing this a little bit more and thinking about it because in a couple of weeks I turned 40. And uh, anyone here who's, who's over 40? Is there, do we have over 40 people? Good. Okay, cool. <laughs> You're the ones with the earplugs. It's so loud. I don't. I, I don't mind turning 40. I, I don't. But, but I do realize, to use a golfing metaphor, I'm probably playing now on the back nine. You know what I'm talking about? I probably have more, you know, uh, yesterdays than tomorrow's. I'm just saying. The reality is in the spring, um, our family, we hit this wall in a very tender way. Uh, We had to put our beloved dog, Percy, to sleep. Uh, There he is. Cute boy. 12 years old. He's a Vizsla. You can see him there. He's a puppy. Great dog. Sweet personality. Great with our kids. But 12 years old, as you know what that is in dog years, that's 84 years and so I, we, we, we had to take him to the vet to be euthanized. That's what the vet said. And, uh, and that was hard because Percy, throw him back up there. He was our bridge pet. You know what a bridge pet is? It's like when you you're, you first get married, you don't have kids. You're like, if we get a pet and we can keep him alive for more than a year, then maybe we can have kids. Maybe we can do this. And so putting him to sleep was hard. We t- so, you know, the kids are, are my chase, my little girl, H. She loved him. My little boy, Del, loved him. So we're like, how we break the news? And so, of course, we took the kids to Applebee's. Because we thought if we're out in public and we get some cheese quesadillas, they won't freak out. And, uh, and so we're ordering there, and everyone's just kind of hanging. I said, hey, guys, you know, we're taking Percy back to the vet. He'd been a number of times. I said, and uh, he may not be coming back tomorrow. And Chase was like, what? I was like, uh, dude, more jalapeno poppers, please. Uh, she goes, what do you mean he's not coming back? I go, he, he, may, he may not. Percy's going to heaven. All your theology goes out the window, man. You're just like, that dog's going to heaven. And her, her tears just start crying. And then my little boy's playing this. She's like, why is she crying? And we're like, he's, Percy's not coming back. He goes, is that true? I was like, it's, it's possible. Boom, tears. And now my wife sees both of our, our children, the flesh of our flesh, and she starts crying. And I look at her and I start crying. <laughs> and the waitress comes up and she goes, who got the jalapeno poppers? You know, she's like, we didn't eat anything. We, we literally just sat and cried at Applebee's. And there was, there was a lot of um, kind of confrontation. You know, we're negotiating because the kids are like, well, what are you going to do with his body? And they were very adamant. They wanted to bring him back and bury him in the backyard. They said he's the family dog. And I was like, son, I know you will dig him up. I know it. I just, we're not going to do it. And so the reality is we, we kind of compromised and we had him cremated. And so uh, you could actually say hello to Percy. We, uh, yeah. I had to go pick him up from the vet about a week, you know, after. And I brought this home, and the kids loved it. They put it right over the fireplace and the mantle, a little like shrine to Percy. But as luck would have it, Grandma and Grandpa came to visit the next day. I love the timing, Jesus. Thank you. And my, my son, Dell, is seven. He took that. He, and the moment Grandma walked in, she grabs Percy and just goes, Grandma, I have a surprise for you. Guess what it is? And my wife's like, no, no. I was like, just let it go. Let it play out. And he goes, Grandma, close your eyes. Put it in your hands. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And he goes, I'm going to play 10 questions. And she goes, um, okay. She goes, um, uh, is it something fun? Dell looks at the box. He looks at me and just goes, used to be. <laughs> okay. Uh, is, it, is it something you can play with? Not anymore. <laughs> He goes, here's a clue, and he opens the box. 
goes, Kate, feel it, Grandma. And, and my wife is like, don't. I was like, just, I was like, get the camera. We got it. <laughs> and Grandma reaches in. She starts feeling around. She goes, oh, it feels like sand. Is it something from the beach, you know? And he goes, Grandma, it's Percy. Grandma leapt 20 feet in the air. I have never seen this happen. She could have made it over this wall. If I had recorded at $10,000, I guarantee it. He goes, it's true. They threw him onto fire. He has a sensitive little spirit. Now, don't, don't feel bad for Percy. You know why? Because truth is, someday, you're going to be in the box. You understand what I'm saying here? My children's children are going to ask, was Grandpa Tim fun? He was fun. <laughs> but now he's in the box. Like it or not, we all hit this mortality wall. No one can avoid it. I'm going to hit it. You're going to hit it. Jesus himself hit it 2,000 years ago. None of us can get over it ourselves. And if you're an intelligent person, then you probably have the foresight to ask, well, what's on the other side of the wall? What's going to happen to me when I hit this wall? The Bible is crystal clear about the wall of mortality. The book of Hebrews says very plain, it says, it's appointed for men and women to what? Die once, and then comes judgment. So all ideas of reincarnation or a second chance or coming back 10 or 12 times to get it right ain't going to happen according to God's word. It's appointed for us to die once, and then... We find out what, what's on the other side of the wall. Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you? We're all going to hit this, every single one of us. But here's the deal. Don't despair, because you can prepare for this. And my recommendation is that you prepare for the wall of mortality by getting to know the only person who ever made it through this wall and came out alive three days later. Amen? I'm speaking of Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Savior, who we're honoring with this service today. I like how Jesus said it himself. One time he was addressing a crowd and he said, I am the resurrection and the what? The life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. In other words, the wall from here is imposing. But it's actually, Jesus says, not as permanent as it seems. From this side, you can't possibly imagine a way over it, around it, through it. But Jesus says, believe in me. And even when you hit the wall, you're going to live. I'm going to show you how to make this through. Now, how is that possible? Because you know walls are meant to separate people. And the Bible says there is a wall that separates every man and woman, child in this room, anywhere from God himself. Because none of us have lived a perfect life. Any perfect people here? Okay, I hope we, we just, okay, you can leave, Sean. Just get out of here, man. This ain't the church for you. Liquid ain't a perfect church. I always tell visitors, if you find a perfect church, for heaven's sakes, don't join it because you'll wreck it. The, the Bible says we're, we're born into, into, into the sin condition, and we go through life trying to do our best, but the truth is we're separated from God. He's in heaven on the other side while we're down here on earth. In your notes, just look at Ephesians 2. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, remember, at that time you were what? What's the word? Separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. If God's in heaven and we're down here on earth, how do we... Get over there. Well, the reality is most people try to get over this wall. You'll probably be familiar with this. With a little thing called religion. Ooh, this is a bad word in our church. Religion. And you may be like, that's a strange thing to say. I'm in church today. Religion. People figure, well, if God's going to judge me, I better be a really good person. I better try really hard. I better be a good husband, a good wife, a good son. I better help the poor I should do some charity work, be kind to animals. Oh, poor Percy. 
Yeah, I've got to flex my moral muscle if I'm going to get past this thing. Religion is just man's made attempt to say, how high do I have to jump to get from here into there? How many good deeds do I have to do? How honest do I have to be? Will, will my good outweigh my bad, hopefully, when I hit this wall? As if each good deed, it's like they think it's a step on a ladder. My next good deed, I'm leading, and eventually I'm going to get over this wall and get to heaven. But the truth is, guys, you're too short. Did you know that? You, you can't make it over this. Thing. You, you can try. You can, you can jump. You can, you can say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You can try. You're, not, you're too short. You can't be a good enough person. You can, do your, you can go to church. Look at you. You're in church today. God's not impressed. You can be kind of person. God's not You can tutor kids. Not impressed. You're too short. You can't get over this thing. The Bible actually says, for all have what? Sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. And some of you say, well, wait a minute. I'm a good person. The Bible's like, what good is it to be the tallest of the seven dwarves? You're all too short. None of you are making it over this thing. So stop with this religious games. And, and you know religious people, and you're like, I kind of, I get it, man. LeBron isn't making it over this thing. With all his money and all of his talent, the Bible says we're a bunch of shorties. Our sin, our shortcomings separate us from God. Would you tap one person on their shoulder right next to you and say, I'm too short. Do that right now. Go ahead. Do it right now. I know. I remember. I remember the first time I came face to face with, uh, with the ugliness of, of my sin. I was uh, in college at the time. I was not walking with the Lord at the time. I went to a Christian college, a religious college, but I wasn't walking with God. I came home from Thanksgiving break. I met up with my high school friends, Cedar Grove. And they were like, dude, we're going out tonight. Where are we going? And they said, we're going to this place in Patterson. And it was a strip club. And, uh, and I said, oh, I'm kind of like at this religious school, but what time is that? And, um, and I said, I'll be the designated driver. And we, and, and we went, and I, I hadn't done that before. And we went to this strip club in Patterson. And uh, I will never forget it because I remember walking in there. And, you know, you're all, you know, you're 20-something. You're all excited. And you walk on in there. And I will, it was the most, why don't we even say depressing? It was like there were men on stools, and, and, and some of them were just completely, like, almost falling over. This guzzling, you know, their, their cores light. And there were these women standing on stage. And when you looked at them, you realized a lot of them were stoned. They were, they, they, were, they were addicts. Their eyes were glazed over. And these men are just throwing like $5 bills. And these women are trying to pick them up. And it was the most, I can't describe it. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's like, there's a woman who came close to where we were. And I was very uncomfortable because as she leaned over, she's like, hey, and you could see she was not in her right mind. She was on something. I don't know what it was, crystal meth or pot. And a man grabs a pot and goes, here, here you go. And she tried to grab it. And I realized this woman, as she reached down to grab it, you saw through her hair, she had bruises along the side of her face. You ever had that moment? You say, man, this world's broken. That's somebody's daughter. That's, there's a father somewhere. There's mom somewhere, and that's their daughter. And there's these guys who are sitting here. They're, they're someone's sons. And this is what they believe life has come to. I remember talking afterwards with some people. We got out of there actually kind of quick. And, and, and I don't know what your, maybe, maybe your wall isn't any of these. Maybe you're like, man, I know what you're talking about. I've been there. I've been there. I'm there right now. I have an addiction. I actually have a lifestyle that kind of uses and abuses people. And I try to gloss over it. I don't know what it is. 
My guess is if you are a religious person right now, you're a little scandalized because you're just like, I think the pastor just said he went to a strip club in college. (laughs) But if you're irreligious, you're like, man, I've done a lot worse than that. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. You don't know half of it. I assume there's going to be snowing in here and hell was going to freeze over the fact that I'm in church today. The reality is, guys, when I get to heaven, God doesn't say, well, I'm glad you got it together and you became a pastor because now it all balances out. When I get to heaven, I stand before God. You know what it is? Why should I let you in heaven? I got nothing. I got nothing. My pockets are empty. You know what scripture says? Even our greatest things we've done in life are like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. He is so far beyond us. He had such a better dream for us in life, an eternal kind of life. And we're down here, we're using and abusing one another. And how do you make it over a wall like this? The answer is you don't. You need someone to break it down for you. Which is why the Father sent Jesus down to us. That's why we're here. This is the good news, folks. Paul says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from God have been brought what? What's the word? Near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In other words, because Jesus lived this sinless life, he lived the life we were supposed to live, he alone, he climbed up on the cross to die in our place. You know what the cross was? The cross was simply God's way of saying, I am done with your religion. It's over. I am coming down to you. I don't want religion. I want a relationship. It's going to be about love. It's going to be about forgiveness. No matter where you've gone, what you've been, what you've done, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And we're going to have a relationship of love that goes on into eternity. I'm going to change your life. And he did it out of love. You know what the Bible says? There's only one statement that says God is love. He's not a a moral taskmaster. Well, he's a harsh judge. And you better go to church and work your tail off to earn his favor. The cross says religion's dead. I want this relationship. It's if God the Father looked down on us. In our futile attempts to scale this wall, and he said, you know what? No one's making it up to me. So Jesus, I'm sending you to them. Because your heavenly Father can't bear the thought of an eternity without you. What did the cross do? It's one thing for me to explain it. It's another to see it for yourself. Parents, heads up. This is not for the faint of heart.
Folks, that's love. That's the face of God's love for you. It's called the passion of Christ for a reason. Passion means to be so heartsick with love, you're willing to suffer. And the cross is God literally saying, I'd rather die than live without you for eternity. On the cross, Jesus was our substitute. You know what a substitute is? If you play sports, you know this. Someone goes into the game for you, you take their place. And on the cross, Jesus was our substitute. He hit the wall for us. He lived the life we, li- we, we were meant to live, and then he died the death we deserved. And see, guys, this is not just a metaphor, folks. Scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross, there was a giant earthquake that ripped the land in two. In fact, it was so powerful, Matthew records, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was what? Say it out loud. Torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. In other words, something supernatural happened. The church at that time, it was the Jewish temple. It had two sections. The outer courts where all the irreligious, sinful people went. And then the most holy place where only the high priest could go once a year to pay for the sins of the people with the blood of an animal. And when that court curtain was torn in two, when Jesus died, it says the barrier, the wall separating us from God literally was torn in two. And now anyone can have access to the Father. The cross was an act of explosive love. It's God's battering ram. That's what the cross is. Some of you wear it around your neck. You don't know how powerful. It's like nitroglycerin. As Christ's body was broken, a path back to our Heavenly Father was opened for all eternity. For Christ himself is our peace who has, what's the word? Destroyed the barrier. Say it out loud. The dividing wall of hostility. Why did God allow his son to die in your place? His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. He's talking about Jewish people who at the time were the religious type. They thought they were close to God. He's talking about Gentiles, people who never even heard of Jesus. We probably have both types right now here in this church. Some of you have gone to church your whole life. Your whole life you have gone to church and you've been practicing religion. You know what religion is? Religion is our attempt to say, I don't need this. I'm going to work my way up to God. And God says, I don't want your religion anymore. I want a relationship with you. I have done dying for you to know me. I'm dying for you to know me. Some of you, you're hearing this for the first time. It's striking you in the heart. That's the Holy Spirit right now. God is saying, I want you to know me. I don't want to make you religious. I want a relationship that can never be taken away from you. You want that? That's the gift. That's what this is, guys. It doesn't matter what group you're in. Paul says, for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one church, one spirit. Can you say one? One. Both religious people, irreligious people, it doesn't matter. Both need one Lord, and that is Jesus the Christ. Amen? The wall says you're short. (laughs) The cross says you can come right in because I have made a way for you to pass from death into life, eternal life, and that relationship starts now. How so? It's called grace. I, ch- I short-cheated you. I gave you the first half of Romans 3 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. The second half of the verse, it says, and are justified freely by his what? By his grace. Incredible word here, the redemption. Grace. Oh, the sweet, sweet grace. You know what it means in Greek? Grace means gift. You, can't, you didn't earn it, and it can't be taken away from you. You just simply say, I believe I'm repenting of religion. I'm turning to Jesus. 
And what does Jesus say? The one who believes in me, I promise you, even though he dies, she's going to live. That's quite a promise, is it not? Amen? When you believe that, it changes everything. It changes not just your future, but your present. Your future, you no longer fear the future. You know people who are, who are very anxious about like what, what the future? You have the hope of heaven. It is liberating when you know and where you're going. <laughs> you don't fear death anymore because your future is actually secure. But it also makes a difference in your presence, in your present time. If you're like 20 right now, you're like, well, I'm not worried about my death right now. God wants to give you a supernatural strength to get through these other walls that you hit in life. So if you pick any of these walls that we have, vocational walls, relationship walls, your marriage, your family, your, your, your health comes, uh, the wheels come off of that. I don't know what your issue is. You fill in the blank there today. There's a hundred different issues in this room. When you have given your life to Christ, the Bible says he puts his Holy Spirit inside of your heart. That's why people are singing like this today. That's not them. He gives you a new strength to handle whatever wall you're up against. Personally, I have been up against every single one of these walls. I've had job issues. I've certainly have had, you know, marriage, family issues. But at each wall, I could feel the power of Christ, the risen Christ, saying, Tim, if I can break through that, then I can help you get through this. Amen? You get a new power to deal with the obstacles in that shattering situation in your life. I saw this demonstrated in an incredible way in our life group recently. We have all these small groups that meet in homes, you know, all throughout the, the state. We, we just pray for one another. We look at God's word together, and they're full of imperfect people. We're finding our way back to God. Without getting into the details, um, one of the, the husbands in our group has left his family. His wife and the kids, they're understandably, you know, just kind of devastated. A lot of pain there. And his wife came to our group last week so we could pray for her and, and, and just support her. And when she walked in, she, she, she shocked everyone. She said, I just want to start by thanking you for praying for me, my family. She goes, but I want to ask you before we say anything, please, please, please. Don't throw rocks at my husband. I'm, don't judge him. I know what you're feeling. I'm feeling it myself, but I'm asking God to work in my heart that the bitterness and resentment won't hold it hostage. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Jesus is with us. But he's not. And we sat there stunned. We were like, does she know what she's talking about? Because I'm not there. He's running from God, she goes, and he needs our forgiveness more than he needs our judgment. So please, before we speak a word, would you just forgive him in your heart as I'm trying to do right now? We sat there in silence. We were stunned. And you know what? I realized at that moment, that's not her talking. That's the risen Christ inside of her speaking. Father, forgive him. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Can God help you get over something more than that. He can help you walk. He was keeping my sister's heart intact, though it was breaking, though it is one of the most painful things you can go through in life. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I've gotten through this. I'm going to help you get through this. Amen? That's what the Holy Spirit's about. You don't just get forever and ever and ever and eternity singing hymns to God. You get right now filled with his Holy Spirit. That's what salvation is. It's God giving his strength to you. It's not weakness on her part. Mark this. She's a brilliant, confident woman, and it was humbling to witness. It was a holy moment in our group of moral mess-ups. <laughs> We're just a bunch of people who sin and are sinned against. When God's strength, though, is coming through our weakness. Amen. Why did she find this grace to forgive someone who's, who's making her life hell on earth? <laughs> That's not her speaking. That's the power of the resurrected Christ inside of our spirit speaking. Friends, I don't know what wall you're facing today. In a crowd this size, I'm guessing there are hundreds if not thousands 
of stories of heartache, of loss, disappointment, life hasn't gone the way you thought, or fear. But here's the deal. Before you attempt to get through any of these walls, you first have to walk through this one. You must. So many of you are trying to get over these walls all by yourself, and you're banging up against them, and you're like, I'm all alone. You were never meant to get over it. Get over the wall yourself. Only Jesus can walk you through it. And you first need to come to him for salvation. That's the number one issue, and you need to settle that today. After that eternal issue is settled, then he can help you with the temporary ones. If you've hit a relational wall, Christ can help you heal. He can. Just like he's helping my sister. He can give you the power to forgive and not be bitter. I've seen it. It's supernatural. It's not natural. You can make it through a breakup or a loss because even if they don't come back, you won't be alone. Your Savior God promises, never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never. Grace is eternal. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. It's the only unconditional love you'll know in this world, people. If you're in need of God for healing, (laughs) he does this. We pray for this all the time in this church. And God does heal people. You know why? Because Jesus was resurrected. That's the first fruits of God saying, I'm putting this whole broken, stinking world back together for good. I'm going to heal my people. I'm going to heal this church. And his resurrection power heals things, including our bodies. If you're suffering, you're depressed, you're scared, you have someone in your life who needs healing, don't leave here today without letting us pray for you. We have dozens of prayer leaders who are up here in the front whose only job is to pray with you for the wall that you're facing in just a few minutes. Whatever it is, I hope you get this, guys. Addictions, a disease, you don't scare God. You don't scare us. He's saying, come to me. Come to the cross. Because of the cross, you realize death ain't the worst thing that can happen to us. Because Jesus conquered that grave. Death is now the gateway to new life. So you don't fear your final destination. As a pastor, I have the privilege of being alongside um, sometimes people when they're in the hospitals and they are kind of on the doorstep of eternity. And if I can just tell you, people who are facing their mortality under their own strength, are typically anxious or they're afraid. There is nothing more precious than seeing someone who is physically in pain but spiritually at peace. They have confidence. I remember one man, he was in his 50s, he had his wife, his kids, his whole family, and he had a terminal illness. And he said to his family, he said, it's okay, it's all right. Don't be sad. I'm going home. That's hope, folks. That's the reality for people who believe in Jesus Christ. It's what caused the Apostle Paul to write, therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being what? Renewed day by day. Did you know that? You can actually have joy. You can have peace even when you hit the wall and it seems shattering. God says, I want to renew you from the inside out. And that starts today. Is anyone ready for a fresh start today? It's Palm Sunday. Easter is next week. I can't think of a better moment for you to settle the issue of your eternity approaching Easter than to walk through this wall and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. In fact, I'm going to invite everybody who's facing a wall of any sort today to bring it up here to the cross to God for him to breathe new life into you. On the back of your connection card, you'll notice there's a place that says, the wall I'm facing Would you tell us, tell God your need, take out your pen right now. I want to give you just a minute to write it down. We're going to keep that private. But what's your need today? Maybe you use one of the categories, you know, that I've talked about. Maybe you're like, man, the wall I'm facing is vocational. Just write it and say, I need a job. I need a job. 
My wall's relational. I, I, I need, a, I need a, a mate. Or I need to be reconciled with my son. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I need help with my marriage. What's your wall? We have people who are going to pray for you. We'd like to get pregnant and start a family. You need to bring that need before God. Maybe you have a health issue. My wall is prostate cancer. I just got the diagnosis. I'm quaking in my boots. Yeah, raise your hand if you need one of these cards right here because this is how we're going to pray for you today. If it's something I haven't mentioned, just put it in the question mark box. You're like, this is my deal. And when the band plays in a minute to conclude our time together, I'm going to invite you to actually get out of your seat and come down the side aisles and walk up those stairs onto this stage to this cross. And you put your card in the box that best fits the issue. If it's your health issue, you put it right here. And as you go down these front stairs, we have people who are going to pray with you right here. They're going to pray for healing for you. Whether it's a relationship issue, they're going to pray right there for God to intervene in that situation in your family. Be very specific about this. And here's the deal. There are some of you right now who this is your moment to square things away because these are not your biggest walls. You can't get past these until you walk through this wall today and you settle this issue of your salvation once and for all. If you died tomorrow, you don't know for certain. You came here today not knowing where you're going. You don't know you'd make it through the wall of heaven to the other side. I want you to write down one word. The wall I'm facing is salvation. One word, salvation. This is serious business, folks. We have fun at our church. You get that. But we take your eternity very seriously. We care about your future. We care about your families. We care about your eternity. And if your need is for assurance of salvation, I'm going to be standing right here next to this cross, and I want you to come on up here and hand your card to me. Don't put it in the box. And you come up here, and we have other pastors who are going to be here to actually give you a a new believer's kit. You settle that issue. I'll stand up here as long as you want. And we're going to pray with you. And you're going to receive Christ into your heart. And you're going to walk out of here with the assurance of salvation. But you come down just like everybody else. And when the band plays Amazing Grace, this is your moment to know that's exactly what this is. Amazing Grace. Liquid Church, can I get you all to stand right now? Just everybody where you are, just stand as you're writing your thing down. People in the balcony... We want you to come down too. Don't you head for the doors without doing business with God. This is a holy moment we're going to have here. I want you to take your card. You know, these are issues close to your heart. Just put it on your heart. Just hold it right now on your heart. I want to pray for you. God, right now, there are hundreds of needs in a crowd this size, God. And Father, we just want to acknowledge we can walk out alone today with an independent spirit saying, "I I don't need that. We don't, we don't need anyone, but God, right now, I'm asking your Holy Spirit, Lord, Holy Spirit, just would you come right now, stir in people's hearts, break through, touch the men and women who need to come to you in faith right now. Let them, that, that thing in their heart right now, that's you, let them know it. Lord, I ask that they would come right now to your cross. Let them confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord of all. With all heads bowed, we're gonna, if you wanna settle that salvation issue right now, you want to settle it forever with God, you know it. Just shoot your hand up, would you, right now? Because I want to lead you in a prayer. Shoot your hand up real quick in the balcony. I see people there, a couple people over here. Praise God for Just shoot your hand up real quick. You're, you're saying, today's my day of salvation. Right up there. Praise God for you in the balcony. Praise God. Awesome. Would you just pray out loud with me? Just say, God, I need you. I offer my sin to you. Take it all. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I want to live for you. Put your spirit inside me. Forgive me. Renew me from the inside out. Jesus, I thank you for the work you're even going to do right now as we are praying for your people, God. We ask that you'd seal over decisions that are being made in this very moment. And we offer them to you, Lord, as our offering. We're bowing before this cross, saying our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.